Hi and welcome back. In the last module, module five, we studied sensory acuity and rapport and we talked about having positive intention for the client. If you have the client's highest ecology in mind, then rapport actually brings it into a win-win situation. Actually, the fact is when you get into rapport with someone else, they get into rapport with you. And I think actually that would be the best way to proceed. It's especially useful in business because, quite frankly, when you're in rapport with someone else, they're in rapport with you. It's impossible for each person then to get into a situation where there's one-upmanship. So I like rapport from that point of view. It really brings it home. It really puts it onto a good level. So here's what we're going to look at next. We're going to move on and we're going to look at representational systems. But before we actually move on and look at representational systems, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to take the representational system preference test. Now, in order to do that, the, you're going to have to turn to page 20 and 21 within your workbook. So would you please for a moment just go ahead and turn to the questionnaire. Go ahead and go to the representational system preference test. There you go on page 20. And if you notice, it says here representational system preference. And I'd like you to realize that the following system is just to in indicate your preferences. So at the top, for each of the following statements, you're going to write a number next to each one. So every single statement after the um, question, you're going to need to write a number, number next to them. So first of all, Number four, write a number four next to the statement that means the most to you, that is the best description of you. Then what I'd do is I'd actually go to write a number one in for the description that is least like you. And then pop in your number three, which is the next best after your number four description, and then pop in a number two. So for every single question that's on there, all the statements that are underneath will need a number next to them. Then what you do is you transfer your answers over to page 22. And this is the answer page. You can see a little table there. And where it says D, if you've got a number four next to D, then you'd write a, a, a D, a, a number four in the box. Once all the boxes are filled in, add them up so that you can see what whether you are whether your primary representational system is visual auditory kinesthetic or auditory digital and it's useful before we go on to talk about predicates and representational systems to do this test so if you listen to this program why don't you pause the program now before you move on to the next one just go ahead take a minute minute to fill out the representational system preference test just before we move on. And if you've done this test before in the NLP diploma or a test similar to this when you've done an NLP diploma, then redo it because we do change from time to time. And it'd be interesting to know if there's anything that you picked up in the NLP diploma that has changed how you respond on the test. So just go ahead, just pause it now and we'll come back in a minute.
Okay, so welcome back. And I'm wondering, did you take the test? And what did you turn out to be? So I, I asked you earlier on to take the representational system preference test just to see if you were primarily visual, auditory or kinesthetic or auditory digital. So let's go through page 20 and 21 and see just exactly what that means. So what does it mean? What in the world does that mean to be one of those things? Okay, so let's look at question number one. So when on holiday at the beach, the first thing that makes me glad to be there is, and if you said the feel of the cool sand, the warm sun or the fresh breeze on my face, that is a kinesthetic answer. The roar of the waves, the whistling wind, or the sound of the birds in the distance is an, an auditory answer. If the holiday made sense or the cost is reasonable, that's an auditory digital answer. And the scenery, bright sun and blue water is a visual answer. Number two, when I feel overwhelmed, I find it helps if. If you said I can see the big picture, that's a visual answer. I can talk or listen to another person is an auditory answer. I can get in touch with what is happening. And that's a kinesthetic answer. And I make sense of things in my head and that's an auditory digital answer. Question number three, when given an assignment at work, it's easier to carry out if. I can picture what is required, that's a visual answer. Have a feeling for what's required is a kinesthetic answer. I have an understanding of what's required is an auditory digital answer. Or someone talks to me about what is required would be an auditory answer. Question number four, I find it easier to follow a presentation if I feel in touch with the presenter and the material is within my grasp. And that's a kinesthetic answer. There are visual, there's a visual display so I can visualise the concepts and with the word visual in there, I'm hoping you're guessing right now that this is a, or, or noticing right now that this is a visual answer. Presentation is based on facts and figures and is logically presented. And this is an auditory digital answer. Or the presenter speaks clearly and with varying tonality or uses sound to emphasise a message. And that's an auditory answer. Now, auditory digital, I just think I'll, I'll come in here. It simply means it's a more dissociate, dissociated way of thinking. Some in NLP call it unspecified. So if you research anything on the internet, if it says unspecified, you know that they mean auditory digital. Um, what it means when they say unspecified is that it's not specified as to a particular representational system. It's more left brain. And actually, it levels with, across the board with all of them. Question number five, when buying a car, I make my decision on the purchase price, gas mileage, safety features is an auditory digital answer. How comfortable the seats are or the feeling that I get when I test drive it. And that is a kinesthetic answer. The colour styling or how I, would, how I would look in it is a visual answer. And the sound of the engine or stereo system or how quiet it rides is a visual answer. Now, what I want you to do for the other questions, questions 6 to 12, is I want you to go through what, um, what each of the answers are. And I want you to write either a V for visual, an A for auditory, a K for kinesthetic or an AD for auditory digital 
next to the answers on the other side of where you've written your numbers. The, and what we'll do is we will go through that at one of the training sessions so that you've got a reference. So maybe you began to notice that people use certain words to describe their experience. So let's look at page 23 to 25. On page 25 is a list of predicates. Now predicates are words that essentially refer to a certain representational system. The visual predicates are on the left, auditory in the middle, kinesthetic, and then auditory digital out there on the right. And those are in the four columns across the top. Now, if you look at page 24, you will notice and see that visual people tend to memorize by seeing pictures. They're less distracted by noise. They often have trouble remembering and certainly get very bored by long verbal instructions because their mind may wander. Hence why we have the PowerPoint for you guys to look at if you are an auditory person. They are interested in how the programme looks, so we'll want to learn by looking at these PowerPoint presentations, drawings on a board or flip charts. And they've also got a photographic memory. Typically, auditory people, they learn by listening to someone speaking or to auditory material. They can be easily distracted by noise. They can repeat things back to you easily, enjoy discussion and asking questions. They like music and like to talk on the phone. The tone of voice and words that you use may be important. Someone who's largely kinesthetic articulates like, I'm talking very slow and breathlessly with each word that I say. I feel a bit like David Attenborough. And I think he may be quite kinesthetic. They respond to physical rewards and touching. They memorise by doing or walking through something practically. And they'll be interested in role play and reliant on what gives them a gut feeling. And finally, auditory digital. They spent a fair amount of time talking to themselves, memorised by steps, procedures and sequences. They want to know the programme makes sense. They like information presented in graphs, flowcharts um, and data. They like to memorise using steps, procedures and processes. They can also sometimes exhibit characteristics of other representational systems. Now, what's really interesting is I showed this to a small team of call handlers in a complaints team at B British Gas Business, and I managed to help them diffuse complaints by simply asking them to pay attention to the voice tonality of the person as they listened to whether they were visual, auditory or kinesthetic or auditory digital. And they had the list of predicates to look at as well. And what they were to do was to throw some predicates back at them and notice which ones they responded to best. Now, an old housemate of mine was great at this. He actually worked in the sales team for British Gas Business. He talked to the guy who he called and the bloke on the other end of the line goes, hello. And Tim says, hello, I'm from British Gas Business. And the guy on the other end, the client on the other end of the phone said, 
I told you not to call me. I don't want to talk to anybody. I really just can't stand talking to you people. And Tim, on the other end of the phone, decided that this fellow was kinesthetic. So he slowed his voice way down and he said, I know how you feel, he said. We haven't given you anything that you can really touch. Nothing you can really grasp or get hold of. In fact, the information probably has been slipping through your fingers. It's been nothing you could catch on to. The guy on the other end of the phone says, Yes, yes, you're the first person who's ever understood exactly what I want. And the guy ended up changing all of his accounts to British Gas Business, all because Tim knew how he communicated. And you can find all of those words there right on page 25. So we know that words are only 7% of rapport, but we're gonna, what we're going to do here is learn how to communicate using words. So, but we're going to learn how to communicate using the words that are within the different representational systems. You probably like words that are in the representational system that you use, you know? So if you're visual, you probably like to take a look at something and see how it's going to be. If you're auditory, then you will like to hear the sound of something. And if you're kinesthetic, you'll like to just sort of get a feeling for things. So we're going to talk about how to use these words that include different representational systems. And because this might surprise you, there are a lot more people out there in the world than who are different from what you're doing roughly. And we think this is a rough average. We think about 40% of the world are visual. 40% of the people in the world are kinesthetic. About 20% of the people in the world are auditory and auditory digital. Now, people do change from moment to moment. They change from week to week, year to year. Different things that happen in people's lives mean that they utilise different representational systems from time to time. So just because you tested this way today doesn't mean that you'll test this way tomorrow. And I think it's really important that we don't use this information to pigeonhole people. As quite often, people can move from cause to effect, making out as to why they can't do something because they're visual, auditory, kinesthetic or auditory digital. All this does is show your preferred system to use. For example, think about this for just a minute. If you're calling me on the phone and I answer the phone like this. Hello, what, what, what is it? It's probably more visual. If I answer the phone like this and you pick up the phone and, and you go, hello, then that's probably auditory or kinesthetic. Now, if I answer the phone like that to you, that's probably going to set things right. So auditory, if, if I manage a phone and you go, hello, you'll hear the mellifluousness of the voice, the resonance, and that would be more auditory. So listening to each of those kinds of the way the phone is answered, you can begin to pick up on exactly whether the person is visual auditory or kinesthetic or perhaps not. And in which case you might say, well, maybe they're auditory digital. Now, typically what we figured out was that people who would quickly group words with lots of interruptions were probably visual or auditory. And they would have for the people who were kinesthetic 
or auditory digital. They might have deliberate phrasing or long complicated sentences. Processing patterns for someone who is visual or auditory might be quick with a minimum of detail and they might let you know unconsciously when they understand by changing the subject. Someone who's kinesthetic or auditory digital might want more detail, might have more detail. They might not give you an indication of understanding unless you ask them. Now, being aware of the way a person is speaking, you can begin to say, if you want to take a look at something, you can, you can, if they say, if do you want to take a look at something, then you can use more visual predicates back to them. So it's just so easy to do. And it's easy to do when you're in person to use visual predicates, but it's equally effective to use it on the phone. Now, in NLP, our belief is that these descriptions that we use to describe what's going on in our head are not metaphorical descriptions, but they're actually real and accurate descriptions. So if someone you're talking to says, I don't see what you're saying, the truth is they just don't see it. So what does that mean? That means that they've been unable to make a picture in their head based on the amount of information that you've given them. If somebody says to you, what you're saying to me doesn't sound right, it may very well mean that your tone of voice is not appropriate for them to be able to decide that. And if someone says, I don't feel right about this particular issue, that means you haven't said the right things. It will cause them to have that kind of feeling inside themselves. Now, if someone says this doesn't make sense, what they're telling you is you haven't given them enough logical, reasonable, rational, digital information about what they're deciding. Now, one of the things that Virginia Satir used to do, and I mentioned Satir earlier on, one of the things Satir used to do is that she, when she did couples counselling, she translated. So this process of translation, this is how it works. She'd actually translate from one representational system to another. So let's just have a look at the predicates on page 25. So visual predicates include outside of the words look, see and visual, which you might expect, there are words like bright, reveal, envision, focused, foggy, attractive, paint, flash. And you can read the rest of them on there. Auditory predicates outside of, of, of the word hear and listen, which you might automatically match up you can use words like harsh musically resonate melodious translate request they are auditory words and there are some more on there too kinesthetic words you might realize that it, they include feel but also grasp grapple contact concrete pinch warm foundation they are kinesthetic words including a lot more others that are on there in order to read digital words you might realize that understand sense and think match auditory digital by now but also you can use consider process conceive detail specified map all of those things will resonate with an auditory digital person 
So let's see how this would work. So going back to Virginia Satir, she'd do a translation. And in the early days of NLP, there was a tape of a therapist. Remember those old tapes, those old days of tapes? And it's not about Virginia, it's about someone else, but it's where the idea originally came from. So the client comes in and says, I don't see how I can relate. And the, and the therapist would say, well, how does that feel? And the client would say, feel? I'm not sure if you understand what I'm saying. I'm not sure. What do you mean by feel? Can you see what I'm saying? I want you to see that I can't relate to my present, present job. I just don't see how I can get along with my boss. And the therapist says, well, how does that feel? Now, the interesting thing is that the therapist is mismatching the client's representational system. Quite frankly, someone who's visual may have no idea how something feels. But the issue is for them to not is, is not how something feels. The issue is that the person can't see how to relate to the present thing. Actually, what happens when you do that, it just blows up on the floor. And one of the things that Virginia Satir used to do and she when she translated. So, for instance, a husband would come to her and say, you know, I just don't think I just I just can't see how my wife can do that. And she would be kinesthetic and he'd be visual and she'd actually translate and say so here's an example she'd say to her husband let's let's say the husband was uh kinesthetic and the wife was real visual swap that over a bit so he would say to her, you know you don't give me enough you don't give me hugs anymore and virginia would ask the wife what's up and the wife would say you know i remember how good he used to look when he wore his uniform and so virginia would say to the wife you know how you feel when you looked at him when he wore the uniform and she'd go yes and you see when you see the uniform and the wife would yes and virginia would say to the wife well that's how he feels when you give him a hug so she'd translate she would cross over those uh, representational systems and go from one representational system to another so translation is a very valuable process and one of the things that we've done in exercises is to have somebody start a story in visual and someone continue the story using auditory predicates and then the next would continue the story using kinesthetic and so on. And, and that's because you're probably best at one set of representations than another. And you're probably best at the one that you tested most highly on and you're probably least good at the one that you tested the lowest on. As an NLP practitioner, it would be a good idea if you learn to use all of the different representational systems. So I think you should practice them. And I think take the predicates that you're using and go out and practice them with people. And as they unconsciously talk, listen to what they say to you and use the predicates back to them to describe their internal roles. So if you hear someone using particular predicates to describe their internal world, match them with predicates from the list if you if you hear someone say that just doesn't look right you can say to them do you see what i mean and they're going to feel more comfortable if they say well you know i really have to think about that you could say well does this make any sense to you so as you pay attention to the words that you hear and you pay attention to the words that you hear you can begin to use the predicates that are there
Now, the decision thrust was actually how you would begin to move a person towards a decision. And the visual and auditory, abstract to global, and we'll come to that later, or a speculator gambler. And the kinesthetic and auditory digital people would be fundamental to specific. And they would also be an investor speculator. Now, to close, a visual and auditory would be ready to take advantage of an opportunity. The kinesthetics and auditory digital people would study the market and plan strategies. Tone of voice for close. So for a visual and auditory person, use a slightly faster and excited tone. If you're talking to a kinesthetic or auditory digital person to close, you need thoughtful, considerate um, and considerate um, words and tone of voice. And you need to appear thoughtful and considerate. Now, if you turn to page 26, these are a list of predicate phrases which you could also use as well. So a visual person might use beyond the shadow of a doubt, horse of a different colour, or in view of a scene or moment. An auditory person might use Give me your ear or hidden message. Hold your tongue, pay attention to. A kinesthetic person might use all washed up or get a handle on this or hang on in there. So, and an auditory digital person might say change is the only constant. We need to consider the alternatives. Planning is necessary. What criteria are you using? So, Remember, being a visual person, if, if a visual person is going to make a decision or based on whether something looks right, well, then the best way to approach a decision with a visual person is to say to the person, if I can show in an attractive way in which you could and then give them the potential benefits um, to all their values that you want to at least look at, you'd want to at least look at this, wouldn't you? If this looks good, we'll go ahead and focus on getting the paperwork done. To an auditory person, we'd say, if I could tell you a way which you could, and then tell them what potential benefit or value you could, you'd at least want to hear about it, wouldn't you? And if this sounds good to you, we'll go ahead and discuss how to set up whatever it is. And then to the kinesthetic person, we'd say, if I could help you get a hold of a concrete way in which you could potentially benefit or value something, would you at least want to get a feel for it? And if this feels good for you, can we get, we can go ahead, set up the account by handling the paperwork. And finally, to an auditory digital person, we could say, if I can show you something, give you something that makes sense, that's something that we both think will work, something that you'd like to proceed with. So an auditory digital person, we can talk to them in an unspecified way. And each person is going to make decisions differently. Each one of these people is going to make a decision in their own way. So using predicate phrases is going to make a real difference. Using predicate phrases will make that real difference. So let's turn back now and look at page 23. And it's useful to be able to notice whether a person is, what a person is just from their body physiology, whether visual, auditory, kinesthetic or auditory digital. Now, 
We've been talking to this point about predicate phrases and rapport and doing them on the phone or in person, which is useful. But if you're in person, you can actually look across at the person and maybe get a chance to look and see whether a person has visual, auditory, kinesthetic or auditory digital from their physiology. So here are some ways to notice that. So look at page 23 and someone who's visual will often stand or sit with their hands or bodies. Their eyes will be, they'll, they'll be reading from the top of their eyes. And as I mentioned before, they might sit forward in a chair. Visual person tends to be more organized, more neat and more well-groomed. They are often thin and wiry. They memorize by seeing pictures and are less distracted by noise. They've got trouble remembering verbal instructions because their mind may wander. And a visual person will be interpersonal. And someone who's auditory will quite often move their eyes sideways. They breathe from the middle of their chest and typically talk to themselves and may be even distracted by noise. Some even move their lips when they talk to themselves and repeat things back to you. Someone who's kinesthetic will typically, typically be breathing from the bottom of their lungs. So you'll see their stomach go in and out when they breathe. I mentioned earlier belly breathers and they often talk and move very slowly. They respond to physical rewards and, and may stand closer to someone, whereas a, ver a visual person will stand much further away because they like to have the whole person within their vision. Auditory digital people will spend a fair amount of time talking to themselves. In fact, a friend of mine who is an auditory digital person repeats every instruction or question that's said to her before replying. She moves her eyes down into idea. Uh, AD, AD, which is auditory digital. They really, really think about what you say before they give anything back to you. So, okay, so they are the characteristics, the physiological characteristics. So with that in mind, I want to chat with you just for a moment about your own intonation patterns. So if you look at page 19 and if you turn to page 19, you'll see on there intonation patterns. So the arrows indicate the tone of voice and there's three ways that we can communicate in the English language using tone. And when you come to the live practitioner training, we'll do an exercise on this where you can learn how to voice match at this point. Because voice matching is extremely powerful and we'll go through all of that in practitioner. So it'd be very, very easy for you to pick up. If you want to practice this this week, by all means, go right ahead. Feel free to do this. So these, the three major constructions that we use in term of tonality is the first one is the questioning tonality. And let me take all of the content out here. So I'm just going to use the word word. So word, 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 word just means sentence, okay? So the questioning tonality will go like this. Word, 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 and that will be a question. Now a statement would be word, 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 and that would be a statement. A command tonality would be more like this. Word, word, word. 
So you move your voice down, it becomes lower and it will get louder. Now the most powerful form of syntax in the English language is a question in syntax with a command tonality. With the clients that you have, listen very carefully to the tone of voice that they use when they're asking for an order or are asking to just speak with you about having one of your services or products. So the tone of voice might be, can you send me a, can you send me a payment? So, so a tone of voice, if somebody says to you, can you send me a payment? Now notice if I say it that way, I sound like I'm uncertain about what I'm saying. Whereas if I say, can you send me a payment? It, it almost sounds robotic. It, it sounds like I don't know what I'm asking for. It sounds very uncertain. Also, but what about if I said to you, can you, can you send me a payment? So a command tonality works a lot better. If you want someone to follow what you want them to do, it really does seem to produce better results. So pay attention to that. Use your tone of voice. Use your tone of voice in a way that's going to produce real results for you.